I've been using Hawksoft for about uh, over 10 years, and I just love this uh, management system because the company itself is very responsive. They take ideas from the agents and they put them in a queue and they will work on them. The other part is it's a great cost. It's probably the best cost out there for users and additional users that I have uh, compared to, I was on AMS years ago, and they were a fraction of the cost. So... That's obviously a big benefit, but I just love the company, their customer service. They're always responsive. You can just call them up and they're a very family oriented company. You can just kind of tell the way they operate and they're really agent oriented. That's what I really love about this company because a lot of the other ones aren't. They're so large in the corporate that they just lose that personal touch. And that has not happened with Hawksoft in over the 10 years that I've been with them. My name is John Crawley. I'm the owner of JCA Insurance Services in Anaheim Hills, California. And this is why I use Hawksoft. Hey guys, it's Bradley. I want to tell you about Ascend. Ascend is not just another premium finance company. Ascend will solve all of your agency bill problems through automation of invoicing, premium financing, carrier payables, all the way to the end of the workflow. There's a lot of hidden costs with how you're doing business today. AMSs, CRMs can spend more than half the day chasing down payments, following up on non-pays, getting signatures for financing docs. This leads to an overworked, overwhelmed, unhappy team. And guys, you want your team to be happy. Industry's hard enough as it is. We really need them to be happy. As your agency grows, this issue gets worse and worse, and we typically solve the problem with a little bit of software, but a ton of manpower still involved. With Ascend, you can use a software-first solution and just need a little bit of manpower, allowing you to grow without significant increase in overhead. Ascend automates all of these repetitive payment processes so your team can get back to helping your clients. With Ascend, we've seen non-payment cancellations in our agency go down up to 95%. Teams save more than 20 hours per month when they work with Ascend and an average of a 75% decrease in payment-related customer questions. Guys, if people aren't calling your office with questions, you have more time to sell and grow your agency. Visit useascend.com backslash insurance, guys. Guys, Ascend makes agency bill as easy as direct bill, but you keep all of the benefits of agency bill the best of both worlds. Thanks, guys. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys Podcast, powered by Hawksaw. God, I love Hawksaw. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Service, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and the agency owner of Portal Insurance. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome my friend, Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? I'm the best I've ever been. I'm telling you something. Sitting in a room right now with a guy that by all accounts may be the number one guy in the United States of America for retirement income planning, that's a pretty good day in my book. It's a good day. So. Guys, we are excited and blessed to have somebody on the show today, and I, I want to respect your time today. Uh, I know it's very, very busy, uh, but we've got somebody on the show today that we had to get back on the show. Yep. yep. Because the one thing that Bradley and I hear the most about our podcast is people are starved to hear more information about life insurance, retirement, 
planning, how to be a better agent. So, ladies and gentlemen, we, we brought the man back on the show. This is the second time he's been on our podcast. He's an economist, an author, a retirement expert. He's been an incredibly popular industry speaker for many years and is considered by many to be the retirement income expert. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to introduce to you for the second time on the Insurance Guys podcast, Mr. Tom Hagman. Hey, thanks guys for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. I don't even know where to get started, so I'm just going to start. Instead of us going back into DeLorean and talking about how you've gotten into the industry and working up to today, we've already covered that. I want to talk a little bit today, and I know Bradley wanted to talk a little bit today about a couple of different things. Number one that Bradley said he wanted to talk about was you've gotten into retirement planning and insurance sales, and you want to start going after the big whale, the guy or girl, the man or woman who, you know, everybody wants to get the, that person. So talk to our agents, our PNC agents and our life and health agents who are starved for information about how to do stuff like this. How do they get started in that? Well, a couple of things. If you want to, if you want to work with the whales, you got to swim with the whales, right? You know, so, so you got to work with business owners Farmers, ranchers, I mean, those are the people who've got the money. Right. Uh, some people work with movie stars, some people work with pro athletes. But if you want to do the big cases, you got to get in the markets where the big cases are. Mm-hmm. And then, but you can also realize that the average person is so far underinsured that if you really covered the average person properly, they need millions of dollars of life insurance. Right. And, and see, people don't understand this. They've heard, well, you need seven times your income or 10 times your income in life insurance. Well, that worked when interest rates were 10%. Right. Interest rates are 1%. And in a 1% interest rate environment, it takes $5 million just to protect 50,000 of income. Mm-hmm. Now, how many people do you know that are walking around with 50,000 of income that have $5 million of life insurance? And how many people do you know that make 200, 300, 400,000 that are walking around with 20, 30, 40, 50 million? And you say, well, that's ridiculous. Okay, well, what if interest rates were 5%? They're not, but what if they were? It would take a million dollars for every 50,000 of income. So if you think about it, if you're working with somebody who's making 200 or 250,000, they really need $5 million with life insurance, right. but they don't think like that. Right. And I tell the story, uh, if you want, I'll tell you a little story of this Please widow in Arizona. She thought she was a millionaire. What happened was I got called by my oldest son and he said dad I need a favor my best friend's brother died three weeks ago and his wife just got the check and it's a big check and she wants to meet with you on Saturday I said Ryan what are you going to meet with me for I don't sell any more I don't do any more personal production and he said well that's why she wants to meet with you because you know this stuff and you're not going to try to sell her anything well I'd been gone for 13 days I was leaving for six days so I have one day out of a 20 day stretch off I said I'm not driving around the valley looking for somebody who wants to talk to me on my one day off out of 20 days but I said if they want to come to my house I'll meet with them at 9 a.m. well the dad, the brother, and the, the widow came to my house. She was 42 years of age, two little girls, husband, killed unexpectedly, a $1 million death claim. After I gave her my condolences, she, she said these words to me. She said, Tom, I never thought I'd be a millionaire. Now, here's what I want to do. You're not. I want to, be a, I want to build a custom house on a lake with my place, a place for sure. my daughter's play. I don't want a cookie cutter house. And I had to stop her mid-sentence and say, ma'am, time out. There's no custom houses. You only have a million dollars in a 1% interest rate environment. That's $10,000 a year. Right. I'm here to see how you guys can possibly survive on $10,000 a year. Now, maybe you can get 20000 30000 35000 but 4% fails, especially this has to last for mm-hmm. 50 years. So I said, Max, and this is pushing it, you're a $38,000 a year woman. You're not a millionaire. Right. Well, she was shocked. 
we can't live on $38,000. My husband made $250,000 a year. Well, somebody who's making $250,000 a year should have $5 million. So what I'm trying to say is that even the average person out there is so far underinsured that you can write whale-like policies right. if you really understand how far underinsured Explain they are. Explain the math to them. Yeah. And, 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 and so and simply that million dollars or that death benefit invested needs to generate enough income from the interest to fund your lifestyle. Yeah. Correct? The other thing that you can do is you can show them how life insurance allows them to have a better retirement and spend more money. See, I use me as an example all the time because I own everything. I own 11 annuities. I have millions of dollars of cash value and permanent life insurance. So I use me as an example. We got four kids. Mm -hmm. One day we're sitting around, we're saying, hey, how much we leave the kids? My wife said, I don't know. What do you think? I said, well, if we bought a $1 million second to die policy, name the four kids a beneficiary. When we're both gone, they get a million bucks tax-free. That's $250,000 a piece tax-free. I said, let's start there. So we bought a $1 million second to die life insurance policy, name the four kids a beneficiary. That policy is completely paid up. Total cost of that million dollar policy was 150000 So no, think about that. For 15 cents on the dollar, we transfer a million bucks tax free right. to our kids. So why wouldn't you sit down with somebody who's got 10 million or 20 million or 50 million and say, hey, for 15 or 20 cents on the dollar, you can leave that money to your kids. Now spend all the rest of it. Go on and travel. I tell people two things. Number one, you're not getting any younger. Number two, you don't get to take any of it with you. And if you really think on that, you're not getting any younger. You don't get to take any of it with you. What you really want to do is you really want to spend your money and leave life insurance to the kids for pennies on the dollar. Right. But people are doing everything wrong. They're, they're trying to spend their money or they're not spending their money. They're saving their money to leave it to their kids. And then they don't have an optimal retirement. The kids don't get as much as they could have if they would use life insurance. It's a lose, lose, lose. So we've really got to reset their mindset. Just ordinary people, not just whales. I mean, you can do that with whales too. But I mean, just show them the leverage that life insurance has and how they can use it for their advantage. See, the reason they don't buy permanent life insurance is they don't want you to make a big commission. They've heard, oh, you get a big commission. It's not about your commission. It's about them getting the most for the least. Mm -hmm. But we got to use words like that, and most people don't. And I was going to bring this up, and I'm so happy you have these four <laughs> figurines here. And those of you that are listening on the podcast, go to our YouTube. We're going to have a video of this. But talk about the four cow strategy. Yeah. So this is a story. It's in my book, Paychecks and Playchecks. And it's a true story. I got called in on an appointment. Uh, to Sterling, Colorado, with a ranch who was worth $15 million. And the advisor at the time was recommending $7 million of whole life insurance to pay for the estate taxes at that time. Now, we all know the state taxes changed completely, uh, but I tell people you need to know estate tax will change completely again because right, if this right. election swings a different way, all right. those estate tax benefits are going to go away. So right. so it's a concept sale. But this guy was worth $15 million. The, guy, the agent was recommending $7 million of permanent life insurance. Now, I always tell people, I don't know how many $7 million cases you've been on or $20 million or $50 million of permanent life insurance. I've been on dozens of those cases. And they all go down the same way. And it kind of looks like this. What do you mean life insurance? No, they're not going to be in life insurance here. Didn't you do your homework before you came in here? I'm worth $15 million. In fact, I can tell you one thing. If I had one more penny to my name, the last place I put that penny would be life insurance. There'll be no life insurance here today. Well, that's the way they all go. Right. So you better get used to it. You want to work with whales? Every whale is going to say that to you. So now what do you do? Well, what I do is I go get up. I sit down right next to the guy. And I mm -hmm. say, sir, I got to get on your side of the table on this one. I completely agree. You've done a great job. You're worth $15 million. You don't need any life insurance whatsoever in the, in the traditional sense of life insurance. But you need a way to transfer your $15 mm -hmm. million to your children and grandchildren in the most tax-efficient manner possible. Now, if we could do that with stocks or bonds or real estate, we would. But we can't. It just so happens life insurance can be transferred income and estate tax-free if you set it up properly. Well, that works about 60% of the time. On this appointment, we're just like this. He said, well, 
I don't know if you thought I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. And there's going to be no life insurance here today. And there's the door right there. You can head it right on out. And I'm not making it up. The agent pulls out four plastic cows from like a kid's farm set, sets them on the table. He said, Mr. Rancher, these are your four cash cows. This one represents all your land. This one represents all your buildings. This one represents all your farm equipment. And this one represents all your investments. Now, what Tom was trying to say is if we don't do something, when you die, the IRS is going to come in and they're going to butcher two of them their cows. They're going to keep the meat. Now, he said, I heard it a little different. What I heard Tom say is that we ought to get down and take a little milk out of each of them their four cows. Now, with this bucket of milk, we're going to buy ourselves a life insurance policy. Now, when you die, the life insurance policy goes to the IRS, but your family gets to keep all four of your cash cows. Now, one of those two things is going to happen. You get to pick which one. Mm. And it was like a light bulb went on in this guy's head. He said, well, heck, every rancher knows it's better to give up a little milk than to butcher two good cows. Now, what's my point? My point is I couldn't explain estate planning to him. The attorney couldn't explain. The accountant couldn't explain. You put four plastic cows in front of the guy, turns into an estate planning genius. So here's what I learned that day. Number one, keep your message simple. Number two, speak their language. See, if you're working with a trucking VIP mm-hmm. or something, then you, you get four Tonka trucks on your desk. Mm-hmm. You can take a little gas lady to four Tonka trucks. If you're with a real estate tycoon, you put four apartment buildings on your desk. You're going to take a little rent out each of four apartment buildings to pay for the policy. So it's just keep it simple. Speak their language. That is the and most. And now we've got these cash cows at Tom. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I want to just end the podcast yeah. right now. That was amazing. Yeah. And, and that guy that you're riding with that day was one hell of a financial services yeah. sales guy. Yeah. So here's my question. Guys, I, I need you to know this. We're sitting in a small conference room, probably 15 feet one way, 10 feet another. Right outside the door here, there are 3,000 people that are here to partly to hear you speak and yeah. talk to them. I spoke yesterday and I just got off the stage just a few minutes ago. So yeah. 3,000 people. So of those 3,000 people, what mistakes are they making that you just see over and over again that you're like, guys, come Question. on. Charlie Brown kicking the football here. So many advisors just don't even know the basics. They don't right. even know their own products. They don't They don't right. know how to ask questions. They, no, they get, let me stop you right yeah. there. When you say don't know their products, are you saying – Contractually speaking, they never pick up the policy and read it verbatim right. to see what they do is not read the details. Right, right. And so they they go to some you know maybe there's a wholesaler that has a luncheon right. and they, and oh does this and this and they pick it up and then they think it does things it doesn't do. So mm-hmm. like I always tell people you got to know your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like you got to know it inside and out. I was the guy that would always get the prospectus and go through with a yellow highlighter just for me, not for a client. But I, I and I, what's this? What's this? What, what does this mean? What's that fee? Right. What's this? And and I, I knew it inside and out. So if anybody came up to me, I knew that my I knew my stuff cold. And then I say you got to know your your best competitors' products better than they know it. Because when I was brand new, I was brand new agent. I was I was with MetLife at the time. And brand new agents, they work mortgage leads. They sell term insurance. I was the same. And so I'm out there. And I was getting my clock cleaned by New York Life at the time. And I ended up working for New York Life. But this was before. And the reason was they had a lower first-year premium. Our premium was cheaper over five years, 10 years, 15 years. But theirs was cheaper the first year. Well, what do people do? They shop the first-year premium. And they were buying that product. And once I found out we were cheaper five years, 10 years, I never lost another case. Mm -hmm. But I had to not only know my product. I had to know my competitor's product. And I'm telling you, a lot of advisors don't know that. Another thing that they don't do is they don't ask enough questions. They start saying, oh, this does this, it does this, it slices, it dices, it does. No, no, no. Ask questions. Telling is not selling. It's not about you. It's, It's about them. Ask about them. What's important to them? What do they need? You know, and two very powerful questions if you're working with whales. What do you want your money to do while you're alive? And what do you want it to do when you die? If they can answer those two questions, I can help almost anybody put mm. the optimal solution together. 
What do you, what do you think about life insurance as an accumulation vehicle? Okay, so I'm even publishing Forbes magazine saying this. It's a great bond substitute. See, the people who say, well, life insurance is a lousy investment. It's not meant to compete with stocks. I mean, a variable life policy could theoretically compete with stocks, but not a whole life and not a IUL even. It's a bond substitute. So so if a person has 60% of their money in stock and 40% of money in bonds, you could go to the biggest whale out there. If you got 40% of their portfolio, I promise you, if you got 40% of Elon Musk's portfolio, you'd be a happy person. And just move the bonds <laughs> into permanent life insurance. They get a bond-like return, but they don't have the interest rate risk of a bond. Right now, bonds are paying 1% or 2% to the upside. But if interest rates rose, those same bonds could fall 30, 40, 50, right. 60 percent. So bonds are not a good place to put your money right now. Younger people should put their bond portfolio in permanent life insurance. Older people could do it a, a lifetime income annuity where the annuity functions like a AAA rated bond with a C rated yield with zero standard deviation. So those would be things you could take out to the whale market all day long. Just get their bond portfolio. Don't worry about their stocks so, right now. So I had, I had a question I wanted to ask you that I thought about on the way over here. It's been a few years since I heard you myself speak, I believe it was either Nashville or Chattanooga, you came in for a seminar and you we talked about uh, paychecks to paychecks. Mm-hmm. Now, it's been a few years since you, you've written that book. Yep. Has, has anything changed in terms of your mindset or thing, anything you put in the book that now you're like, well, you know, I feel a little different about that now? Well, I mean, of course, there's been some changes in Social Security, filing suspended, right. some of that stuff. Right. Um, the RMD is now 72 versus 70 and a half, right. but the concepts have not changed, okay. okay? And the four simple steps of paychecks and playchecks. Step number one, cover your basic expenses with guaranteed lifetime income. Right. Has not changed. Right. Step number two, optimize the rest of your portfolio to protect yourself against inflation. Has not changed. Step number three, you must have a plan for long-term care. Has not changed. Step number four, the most efficient way to pass wealth is with life insurance. Right. Those have not changed. So gotcha. details about Social Security yeah. has changed. You know, but well, that, you, that, talk, you talked about that yeah. in the seminar I was in. You yeah. were like, I think your words were something like, you know, at some point they're going to have to fix Social Security, whether it's, you know, extend. Oh, yeah. They're going to have to raise the retirement age. Right. They're going to have right. to probably raise the tax yeah. level. They're you probably going to yeah, they're, they're gonna have to that. do more changes. Right. Of course they will. But the base concepts haven't changed. It's like the SECURE Act just came out and, oh, there's all this stuff in the SECURE Act. I just did a video that said the SECURE Act is not going to change my life one bit. It's great that annuities can be now put in 401ks, but almost no 401ks have them. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can argue whether it's good to raise RMD to 72 from 70 and a half. I tell people they should spend the money. They shouldn't. The worst money you can leave your kids is IRA money and 401k money. Mm -hmm. So you're supposed to spend it. So I don't know raising that is that great of a deal. They took away the stretch IRA, that's kind of a negative in the deal, but none of it changes what I do. My lane is helping people retire the optimal way, and none of that has changed. Well, hello there. Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. Guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back and do what we did here at iProtect Insurance. Join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees. Small $200 a month membership fee, over 50 plus carriers for direct appointments. And by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. 
you keep 100% of your commissions, profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years, each year, our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. No termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree.org. That's acfree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six months. That's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.acfree.org, and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. So on that note, we had dinner with a buddy who was at the New York Life Convention uh, the other night. He's a eight-year MDRT winner. Mm-hmm. Knows his stuff. Knows his stuff better than anybody I've ever met, especially in our market. And he just happened to be out here at the same time as we were. Yeah. And he was telling us at dinner that he ran across a case where someone had a client with another company putting money large sum of money per month for years into a life insurance policy. And I don't remember the details, but it was not structured the right way, and the person was in a really, really, really bad spot. Now, obviously, knowing your product to prevent that from happening, but what can agents look for and what can customers look for to prevent something like that from happening? Well, I don't know anything about the case whatsoever, but I would say almost certainly it was a UL policy, universal life. I think so. Because... That's where you have problems. If a universal life policy is not funded properly, you can't just fund a UL. You have to like overfund a UL for it to really do its magic. And and that's why net, 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 I personally prefer whole life because it's been through all the cycles. I know IUL is a hot product right now. VUL used to be the hot product. VUL, if you look at it, if people actually did VUL and kept it, it's done great because the market's at all-time record. So it, it's right. been a great product. Right. IUL so far has done pretty well, but we haven't seen it through a real depression, recession, right. and so we don't know. But but with universal life, you have to overfund it. If you overfund it, I think IUL is fine. I think VUL is fine. I think UL is fine. But a lot of them are not funded properly, yeah, and I, they can get into big problems. I believe on this case, he said on the top of the deck page in big red letters, it said, at the year, and it was like when the client was going to be 67 years old, which was right around the time he might yeah. need it. And it, in big red letters, it said, at this year, 
this policy will turn into a Meg, or, ART or was it a modified endowment? Something. It was just going to go over the what is it the Meg? The Meg line. It could is. have been, and uh, it, was, it was just. Well, then it, then it sounds away. like it's not underfunded. It might be overfunded. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But but I'm just saying my experience is yeah. the problems come in with underfunded UL right. products. That's right. a big problem. So as a client, just really look at that illustration and, and yeah. make sure well, that every illustration is just yeah. numbers. None yeah. of not a single illustration in the history of America has ever turned out exactly the way they illustrated. Not one. So it's either going to be more or less, but it's not never going to be that number. So, and I don't think most people know that. I don't think most advisors know that. But so, a couple of things, and I know the last time we talked, we asked this same question: two or three things that our P and C agents that listen to this, and we we have a lot of life and health guys listen to this as well. They can turn off the podcast today. They can go yeah. back and implement. Well, a couple ways. A couple ways to transition from PNC to to life. So, right. first of all, if you're doing homeowners insurance, mm-hmm. I think it's a very easy transition to to go to mortgage protection. Right. So that's an easy transition, but it's harder if you're doing auto or boat or you know excess liability. Then go talk to life insurance. So one of the techniques I would use because a lot of people don't know this. When I was at MetLife, I was the number five PNC producer in the country. So I wrote a lot of PNC, but I take out my keychain and I say, you know, what's on your keychain? Well, we got your house key. Hey, we got your house covered. Right. We got a full replacement policy. Your house burns down. We get a full replacement policy. Oh, we got your car key. You totally your car. Guess what? We get you a new car. We got your boat key. You sink that boat to the bottom of the lake. We're going to get you a new boat. And then I drop the keys. Bam. What about you? We need a full replacement policy on you. We got this little thing. It's not. It's nowhere near. That worked very well for me to transition from PNC to to life. But then another way, and and you probably heard this one before, but it's more of an insurance riddle, and it doesn't work with everybody, but it worked with my personality. I'd lean back in my chair and I say, I got an insurance riddle for you. If you own the golden goose that laid the golden eggs, but you could only insure one, which would you insure, the eggs or the goose? And they all say the goose. And I say, yeah, that's you. You're the goose. <laughs> that's right. We got all your eggs insured. We got to insure you. Right. And so those are just some ways to, to transition and then just understand how underinsured every one of their auto and policyholders is. I told you they need at least $1 million for every mm-hmm. 50000 income. So just start saying, our firm professionally recommends you carry at least a million dollars of life insurance for every 50000 And when they say, well, that sounds a little high to me, you tell them the story of the widow in Arizona who thought she was a millionaire. She's now mm-hmm. stuck living a $38,000 a year life with her girls. And here's some other language that works. You know, when people want term insurance, term is cheap for a reason. They're supposed to buy a bunch of it. You're supposed to sell a bunch of it. So just use these words. We sell term in units. One million, two million, five million. How many units would you like? You Maybe go. I can squeeze a half a unit on the underwriter. I don't like to, but yeah. we sell it in units. One million, two million, five million. You just use those words. You're going to sell bigger policies. Mm-hmm. Stop illustrating term under a million dollars. Maybe you'll sell it under a million, but never illustrate it under a million. It's cheap. Show big numbers. They need big coverage. That would help your PNC producer. Had a really good life financial services guy out of Atlanta tell me one time. He said, um, "Do you want to sell a million dollars worth of life insurance?" I said, "Man, yeah, I'd love to." He said, "How much life insurance do you have, Scratch?" And I was like, uh, "One hundred fifty thousand." He's like, the "First thing you need to do, go back to your office, write yeah. yourself a million dollar life insurance policy." Yeah, and a million millions nowhere enough. Right, I've got about. I don't know, eight or ten million of permanent life insurance, you know? And I, I've got a mine as well. I mean, she, she we'll leave here and she'll be like, Oh, when you get home, yeah. <laughs> need to re up. But but yeah, he told me that. He said and Then she'll take you to Grand Canyon and say, Oh, whoops, yeah, God, exactly. hey, it was so exactly. great. No, it was really slippery right there. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. 
Um, well, I want to respect your time because I know you got people yeah. out there wanting to talk to yeah. you and sign books and all that good stuff. I know that. So. We just really appreciate it. I think I think we've really hit the nail on the head here with what we were looking for. So yeah. for yeah. our audience. I can't, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show. I really do. And well, I, thanks. We'll do another one sometime. I would, I would love you know? to. Yeah. I, I need to just follow you around the country and listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day it'll all sink in and I'll start selling. Well, them. you know, my stuff it works. It, it really doesn't. So here'd be something if you're if your listeners wanted to do some I, I just did a webinar and it's free. They can go to tomhagnet.com forward slash webinar. Okay. They watch it whenever they want. It right. runs pretty much seven days a week. And I will share with them words, language, questions, and stories that they can use with their clients. So that's a free webinar. I don't know why they wouldn't want to do it, and I can help them. On that note, what, what are some good conversation starters? Let's say you're out here at the middle bar here at this hotel. Obviously, with a lot of sales aren't quick. But what are some things you can say to maybe get someone's attention to start having a conversation? Well, you know, people would say, well, what do you do for a living? I say, I create multimillionaires. You tell me how many million you want, I'll tell you exactly what you got to do to do it. People go, really? Yeah. You tell me what, how much money you want at what day, and you can plug that in. You can solve a policy to do that. Yeah. And I just say, you know, how many million you want? You want two million, three million, five million? I just help create multimillionaires. And that gets their attention. You got to remember, people are motivated by two emotions, fear or greed. And you kind of got to figure that out early in the conversation. If they come in, they say, oh, man, my broker's got me in the best stocks. Oh, I bought Tesla when it was 25 bucks. It hit $900 the other day. They're motivated by greed. Mm-hmm. And if people say, oh, man, do you see the State of Union? Oh, this country's going to you know where and a you know what and blah, 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 blah. They're, they're motivated by fear. If they're motivated by fear, you got to talk about the guarantees. you got to talk about financial strength. If they're motivated by greed, you got to show them all the things that you can do to build their wealth, bond substitute, you know, and, and build wealth. So so you kind of got to learn early what are they motivated by, fear or greed. And then that can help you shape the conversation. Ask more questions. Yeah. And if you want to sell life insurance, I, a book I recommend, I recommend all mine, of course, but A Man on a Mission by Marv Feldman Marfield. is loaded with great life insurance questions. And I think if advisors would work on their questions rather than studying product knowledge, now you got to know your product. We just said you do. But asking the right questions, you can always look up the product knowledge. You can always call the wholesaler and figure it out. But you got to ask more questions to dig deeper into what, they, what they're doing. That would be my advice for somebody starting out in the life and financial services side yeah. is to read two or three of the mm-hmm. books. The, his books, Man, Man yeah. on a Mission. Yeah. I mean, I could just see that being so valuable to somebody starting out to really learn. What are your thoughts? So we were talking out in the lobby out here on how long, and obviously every situation is different and you may want to tailor this to the client. Some, as you said, greed, fear, but the, the length of the sales cycle. Do you think that Financial advisors and insurance agents sometimes take too much time to make that sale. Are there times you should go for that quick hit? Are there times you should drag it out? I was giving an example of I was trying to buy a 529 plan. I went to the guy's office to buy it. He, oh, no, we're not doing that today. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like I just want to buy a 529 plan. And what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, every advisor is different. Yes. Uh, even through my career, I did it different. I mean, there was time when I do it too appointment close, fact finding and close. And then when I got pretty good at doing it, I could just do it all in one appointment. Yeah. But but now, especially if you're working in the whale market, that's not a one or two appointment yeah, yeah. close. I mean, you got to have a process. Right. It, you know, there's a difference if you're just selling a product, if you're just there to sell an annuity, sell a life insurance policy, that could be pretty quick. But if right. you really want to do holistic planning and know where this fits, you got to know the whole deal. You got to know what they're doing with all their stuff. Otherwise, you might recommend something that totally contradicts something else in their plan. So, the bigger the case, the longer the timeline. Mm-hmm. 
the the smaller the case, probably the shorter the timeline. In general, there's yeah. always exceptions to any of those rules. Cool. That's my questions, man. Man, Tom, I, I just cannot believe that we're here sitting with you right now. I'm, I am I'm blown away, but I just want to thank you again. You bet. Um, we'll do it again. Absolutely. I always enjoy spending time with you. And I have to be completely honest with you. Our podcast has taken off tremendously. Very good. You were the first one that, that got it there. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we I'm had sorry. you on that podcast, it it was like rocket fuel. Oh, good. It went straight up in there. And when people see, I guarantee you, when people yeah. see this, his name in the title, and it's like... And the reason we are both here together is because someone... A convention paid us to come here and do a podcast on stage. There you go. Yeah. And all of that wouldn't have happened. Awesome. Those those first 10 guests we had, yep. you included, were all instrumental in that taking off. Yeah. Yes. You, we, you, we owe you a debt. We have a debt of gratitude. Well, I'm going to give you guys these four cash cows <laughs> outside. You can take awesome. that with you. And between you and, and our buddy Van Miller, yeah. uh, y'all are the two most listened to YouTube, we're, we're everywhere, but the, on yeah. YouTube, y'all are the two most. Well, you know, Van to. and I are great friends, and uh, and we both recommend each other to yep. other organizations because we both believe in very similar things. We have different styles, which yep. makes it interesting because you don't always want to have the same guy, same guy, same. You you want to yeah. have different different yeah. angles coming in from different uh, yep. directions, and but he, his stuff is solid. I'll tell you a funny Van story, then we'll we'll let you go. So we did a podcast with Van, and Van and I kind of hit it off, and we talked afterwards, and we still talk some today. And he called me the afternoon after we recorded our podcast, and he said, hey, man, uh, I have a question. I said, he said, if I want to listen to this podcast, how do I do that? And podcast is interesting because if you have an iPhone, you're listening to that on a different platform than you are on an Android. And I said, well, Van, do you have an iPhone or an Android? He said, I don't know. Let me look. (laughs) Hang on. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, my gosh, this guy is so enthralled in his work. He doesn't even know what kind of cell phone he has. Like, I respect that so much. So, yeah. Well, guys, I'm going to close this thing out. Listen to me. If you want another revenue stream in your PNC agency, this is a fantastic opportunity for you guys. I know a lot of independent agents don't have a life and financial services side to their business. Guys like Tom Hegna can help you listen to them, buy his books. He is the guy in the retirement income space. And I hope that, that each one of you will go to his website and find some place in the United States of America to go see him speak because he does a fantastic job. We love you. We appreciate you being on the show. And as I say after every episode, get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out in the big bad world and go make money for your family, for your wife, for your kids, for your mom and dad that are struggling out there. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out and sell something to make money for your family. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Thanks, man. Thanks, Tom. Yep. Thank you. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of The Insurance Guys. Take care.